Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moiselle, and these are the women who rule. And welcome back to She Dynasty. I'm very excited to welcome Danielle Cohen Shohet, founder and CEO of Gloss Genius, the biggest software company focused on helping salons and spas run their businesses. Danielle's company has already done over $1 billion in transaction volume and serves tens of thousands of businesses across the country. 68% of those are women led. Gloss Genius was also named on Forbes Cloud 100 Rising Stars list last year. Hi, Danielle. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, so happy to have you on She Dynasty. Very excited to uh, let everyone know about all the amazing things that you have accomplished at such a young age. So, so impressed with you. Thank you. I'm excited to share more. Awesome. So, you know, She Dynasty is so much about your journey to get to where you um, are today. And I know that obviously there's so, so much more that you are looking to accomplish in your career and with your company. But, you know, obviously I want to hear a little bit about um, your background and how you, um, you know, have gotten to where you are now. So Gloss Genius is such an interesting and innovative company. Can you tell us more about it? Absolutely. Gloss Genius is one of the quickest growing vertical software companies serving small business owners across the salon and studio space. So our software puts everything that a salon owner, for example, would need to run their entire business into a single powerful solution. I often like to describe Gloss Genius as a gateway for entrepreneurship since really what we're doing is empowering entrepreneurs to succeed. And so is it more for people who own salons or is it for individuals that are kind of doing it on a freelance basis or is it both? Both. Across the gamut. Got it. And is there, you know, one that you kind of cater to more or is it both? Definitely both. But I think there's some really interesting market trends in the industry with more and more professionals breaking away and starting their own business that we are really excited about in terms of powering them to be really successful entrepreneurs and that was definitely how we got started. Awesome. I, I read on your website that you have, um, you have a line that I really loved, which was uh, brains behind the beauty, um, which I think is, you know, genius, um, obviously in your name as well. Um, just because, you know, as creative professionals, so many creative professionals, you know, sometimes, sometimes not always, but they struggle with the business side of it and managing it. And they just want to do their craft and they don't want to be you know, bothered with, um, you know, kind of trying to figure out all of the administrative stuff behind it. And so what you've done is put forth just an incredible solution. I was kind of poking around at, you know, at all of the things that you guys offer. And it just seems like such a beautifully integrated solution for, you know, these creative professionals to be able to manage, um, you know, to manage their clients and their business. Um, you know, it's just, it's so incredible to see, you know, and I probably know that you impact so many people and you let them kind of focus on what's important to them. Do you look at it that way? For sure. It's been a really rewarding journey, um, being able to help more business owners do what they love and take care of the rest for them. And we've got an amazing start with a really powerful platform. And I'm so excited about more that we can be doing for business owners. 
Now, are your um, business owners mostly located in one part of the country? Or are they um, national? Where Where are most of them right now? Where do you hope to grow to? to? We serve businesses across the U.S. and have business customers in every single state. There are some states that naturally have more concentration of customers than others, but that hasn't been because of a particular decision. With regards to where we hope to grow, we're really focused on continuing to deepen our presence in the U.S. And what do you think differentiates your, um, you know, your service from some of your competition? Like what makes Gloss Genius just, you know, more superior? We serve an industry that has historically lacked in technological adoption. So because of that, when I look at the biggest competitor, it's actually pen and paper and a disaggregated web of tools that a lot of business owners still cobble together to manually run their businesses. There are other software companies out there, many of which are not purpose-built for the industry. The challenge, though, with those offerings is that they're a one-size-fits-all approach that is hard to make work for a specific industry with nuanced workflows, such as the one we serve, which is why vertical software is just so powerful. There are other software companies for a vertical, but those have traditionally been legacy, hard to use, and complicated, and so... Compared to those, the Glossian's product experience is so much more intuitive and comprehensive. And, you know, from, from my perspective as a creative director, you know, the aesthetic, the user experience is just amazing, just beautifully done. So kudos to you and your team for, for building something that looks fantastic. Thank you. I always say in the beauty industry, beauty matters. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I want to, you know, start um, by talking about a little bit about your childhood uh, learn a little bit about your journey of how you got here. So tell us a little bit about when you were a kid, uh, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I went through a few different phases. There was some pressure from my parents. My dad was a physician. He really wanted me to be a doctor, or at least some type of medical researcher, because he thought I would be very successful doing that. At another point in time, you know, for a very short period of time, I wanted to be an architect or an artist and there was a point in time, I was actually pretty young, where I had basically answered to my parents when they asked me what I wanted to do, that I wanted to be a CEO. And they asked me, well, do you even know what a CEO means? And I told them, yes, it means chief executive officer. And they asked me, well, how are you going to be a CEO? And I said, I'll start my own company. And I think it's an interesting anecdote because at the time this was, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't as common of a topic and certainly starting companies wasn't as, as common of a thing as it is now. It's been interesting to reflect on that, especially in terms of where I'm at now. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't long before I started to tell my parents that I was going to start my own company. What age do you think that was approximately? I was seven years old. Yeah. So it's so interesting because I had the same, same experience. I was like seven or eight and I just like knew I wanted to run a company, which I think, I don't know. I feel like people are born with that, right? It's, it's someone who just like has this innate love to be creative and just loves business. And I think that's what, you know, the intersection of entrepreneurialism is, right? Yep. Yep. And there were other things too, uh, if I take a step back and think about my childhood uh, you know, it was, I was very curious. I didn't really have a favorite subject since I loved all of them. I, you know, spent a lot of time doing creative things, had a penchant for art, loved reading, and I was always a risk taker. And, you know, that manifested in ways like me always picking the most dangerous sports to do. And I loved riding horses and 
you know, despite my, my parents' wishes that I stop because it was so dangerous. But, you know, when I think about my past experiences in my childhood, certainly, and all of that coming together into qualities that a great entrepreneur has, it, it's interesting to reflect on those. So as, as you got older, you entered high school, um, did that, you know, passion for wanting to be an entrepreneur, did it change or were you kind of on, on par and on course for wanting to start a company? I think it was still in me, but at that point in time, even in high school, I still was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I mentioned, I didn't have a favorite subject and I liked learning about all things. And in some way that was maybe the most challenging part for me around figuring out what it was that I actually really wanted to do because I like doing a lot of things. Okay. So you went to Princeton and amazing. And I will tell you, I interview so many women on She Dynasty and so many of the women who I talk to, um, you know, have gone to Ivy League schools. And this is something that, you know, is hyper relevant to me right now because I have a daughter who just, um, just went through the whole college um, experience or college application experience, I should say. And it was her dream to go to an Ivy League. Unfortunately, we didn't quite get there. We got kind of close, but, um, you know, I'm always just so impressed because I know how competitive it is. And obviously Princeton, I think Princeton is the number one school in this country. So congratulations um, and kudos to you. You absolutely deserve it. Um, tell us about that experience and what what it was like to get into such an elite school. What did that mean to you? It was thrilling. And if I look back to some of the most formative years for me personally, uh, it was certainly when I was college in Princeton and being around incredible people and learning every single day and immersing myself in an environment where I could embrace so many different subjects that I was curious about and really figure out what I wanted to do longer term was a really unique time for me. And it was exciting, many parts, but certainly it was a challenging time personally. There was a lot of setbacks personally I faced while I was in college. I lost my father. I was very close to my father. And that was uh, during my freshman year where that happened. And you know, after that, there was some other family circumstances and, and deaths that I was navigating. So that was challenging. And I think if I look back to uh, some of the most formative experiences I had at Princeton, it would ground it in my experience with some of those personal setbacks and my ability to navigate an incredible environment I was in and in some way kind of balance the thought that there's so much around me for uh, to be taken advantage of. Uh, I'm in a world that doesn't take excuses. And looking back at one of the accomplishments I'm really proud of, you know, graduating top of my class at Princeton, despite all these setbacks, it was formative for me to think about that type of mindset and certainly has gotten me to where I am today. I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your father. Was it something that was unexpected? He was terminally ill. So it was expected for some time, but it was a really, really hard uh, event to manage, especially given the newness and excitement of, of college. When I got there as a freshman, you know, kind of tainted by uh, a, a really big setback um, personally, such as that one. And it was, you know, I had a kind of warning in a way, given it was a terminal illness, but it was a really tricky time to try to balance getting involved with my friends and, and the college scene while also making sure I was spending a lot of time with him. I can imagine. And you just said something that I think is so interesting. You said, um, you know, that there's 
it's an environment where there's really no excuses, you know, obviously, um, you know, everybody has their own personal things that they go through, but at the end of the day, um, you've got to figure out how to navigate it and get to the other side. And it sounds like you did an incredible job. So the fact that you were able to do that and still dra- uh, graduate top of your class again, you know, really, really impressive. So, um, I understand that you also created a digital receipts app while you were at Princeton. Can you tell us a bit about that project and um, what sparked that idea? Yeah, it was one of the funnest things I worked on while I was at Princeton. And the idea was we can digitize receipts at the point of sale to collect really valuable customer transaction information, like who's buying what and what they're buying and how much of it they're buying and when they're buying it. So retailers in turn could use this to provide really relevant micro-targeting. We got a decently far, there was a beta going in the Princeton U store and it was a really unique experience. And in many ways, if I fast forward to where we are now, you know, Glossian is a business software embedded payments company. I don't think it's any surprise that we are really deep on the payments space given, you know, kind of my prior interest and background with a digital receipts app. the idea came from walking out of a CVS one day, actually, when I was at Princeton. The main street there at Princeton is Nassau Street, and there's a CVS uh, towards the end of Nassau Street. And uh, I remember being in a rush and waiting for the receipt to print, and it just kept printing and printing and printing. And if anyone has walked out of CVS, I think they've gone a little better at this recently, but I remember collecting a receipt that was so big. and it was really interesting to me that there was some really useful information on the receipt, but I was going to throw it out immediately after I walked out of the store. And so the thought was, because there's really information, really interesting information, what can we digitize on here to save, you know, kind of a lot of the exercise of mining data that was pretty hard to get for most retailers, given the kind of fragmentation in the POS space. And that was really how it all started. So what was your major at college? Just curious. I was an economics major. And so you actually uh, created this app and Princeton actually put it to, in, to use. It was actually used at, you just said at their store. Yeah, it was a uh, very early beta. So how, how does that work? I mean, obviously, did, it, did they hire you to do it or is it just something you approached them and said, hey, I've, came, I've come up with this idea. I want to see if it works. Can we try it at the store? Like, how does, how does something like that come to be? I pitched the manager <laughs> of the store. We agreed on an opportunity to implement this. We got access to, uh, you know, a lot of the systems and there we were. Amazing. I mean, I it, it it's funny because it kind of sounds like so natural to you, but like just hearing you, it's kind of sounds like a really big deal that not only did you come up with it, but you decided to go to the store manager and actually want to put it to use. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's an incredible story in itself. So amazing. So now I want to talk about um, your interest in, you know, kind of the beauty industry and, and makeup and, you know, when did that start? Um, tell me a little bit about that. That started also when I was at college and I was so interested in makeup artistry. And this was right around the time that makeup artistry was getting democratized on YouTube. And I became really good at it. And I started learning a lot about what it took to manage 
client gigs and uh, relationships and some of the different parts of a business. And, you know, makeup artistry is a very different area now than most of the, you know, kind of physical uh, businesses that we serve, but even just the foundations of what it took to run a client-centric service-based business were really important for me to learn there. And did you, so did you just have a love for the industry or did you like doing it yourself or uh, tell me a little bit about that? I love the industry, love doing it myself because I was so interested in art and I thought it was in some way kind of an art form. And I also loved helping people (laughs) and I loved how excited people would get when I would help them with their makeup and uh, turned into a side hustle, uh, you know, earned a little bit of money doing this. And it was just one of these really energizing things that I got to do when I was at college. Self, are you self-taught? Yes. I, makeup is absolutely an expression of creativity. So I see, I love that again. It's like you're bringing the business side and the creativity together, which is so fantastic, which to me again is right there in that kind of entrepreneurial space. And so I understand, I understand that you also taught yourself to code. Yes. So no classes. This is something you taught yourself. Yeah, mostly. I mean, I would say the practical things are primarily self-taught. And what, what, why did you do that? What was the purpose and what did you end up doing with it? I, I mean, ultimately I ended up building Gloss Genius and, you know, now it's a product that is empowering tens of thousands of uh, business owners across the nation. So it's been really exciting to see that play out and ultimately why I did it. I think it was just, I didn't, I didn't want to have any reason why I wouldn't be able to succeed. And I, you know, was always kind of interested in systems and getting really hands-on with things I was doing and really understanding them. And in some part, I think my, you know, natural curiosity drove me to just want to learn more and more about it. But ultimately I thought learning was going to be the best way for me to build products that would help people and not have anything stand in my way. So, so not only did you come up with this idea and implement it, you're saying that you were part of the team that initially coded the software. Yes. yes. Amazing. And you're, are you still involved in that part of it? Uh, the team has grown a bit now. So day to day, not, not so much involved in terms of writing code every now and then, you know, I'll review things, but I think, I've taken a step back and focused more on, you know, kind of the bigger picture product uh, side of things. So impressed with all your skill sets. Amazing. So uh, talk to me about after college, you graduated and what was your first job out of college? I went to go work at Goldman Sachs. I thought going there would be an incredible foundation for uh, ultimately anything I wanted to do. And I was very interested in financial markets at the time. And you know, I, I liked things with analytical rigor. And so I went there and uh, thought I was going to get really great experience. And I did. And when you graduate from Princeton, was that, were there lots of different jobs, you know, that you were looking at, or was that where you just like hyper-focused and that's what you wanted to do and you went straight there? So I did an internship at Goldman Sachs my junior summer. And I think that was definitely part of the reason why I ultimately chose Goldman Sachs after I graduated. And um, there were a handful of other things that I was thinking about, but 
none of the time that were more interesting to me than working at an incredible place like Goldman and getting some really great training and a foundation for the rest of my career. Internships really work. I love, I love hearing when people intern somewhere and they end up working there. And I think that's kind of the point, right? It, it sparks something exciting in you and they get to see what you are made of. And, you know, sometimes a match is made. I mean, I've had quite a few people intern for, for my company who I've hired. So love to hear that. And I think a great piece of advice for people who are listening. So it's, it's really interesting. Cause again, um, I love to kind of hear patterns, um, amongst the women who I interview and so many of the entrepreneurial women started on a track like yours at Goldman Sachs, not ne- necessarily the same company, but similar, and then broke free and kind of started their company. Why do you think that there's, um, there's a trend in that? Is there any reason you can think of that, that, I mean, so many of them, I can't even express to you how many. That's a great question. I, uh, you know, I think it could be because possibly there's a sense that, uh, you know, you've gotten a great foundation and at a certain point in time, it's, it, there's an opportunity to do more and be more hands-on and build things for the world and in the way that you want them to be. And, you know, maybe there's some aspect of the foundation and, and confidence that getting a, you know, great set of experience from a place like Goldman Sachs helps you, um, obtain. All right. So tell me, um, once you started Gloss Genius, what were some of the biggest hurdles or snags that you had to overcome early on? There were so many snags early on. And, um, you know, I think running a startup, there's always going to be things that are changing and um, areas that require so much iteration and evolution. But definitely when we started, you know, there was just this idea that we had to do everything all at once. And I was primarily doing everything. And I was, you know, running 20 different functions at a time. And um, we needed to hire people, but we also needed to do really well with customer service. Then we needed to take what we were hearing from the customer service side of things and then change the product and iterate on it and get new things out to customers and then send marketing messages. And so just balancing everything um, all at once and in the very beginning was was super difficult because the team was really, really tiny and you were doing the job of, you know, so many different people and all of it was important. And, you know, the sense of prioritization that now is, you know, a, a bit easier when you have certain areas of focus and and teams built around them. But managing everything all at once was really difficult. So how long from the inception of like starting the company to um, when you got your first um, business on board, how long did that take? We were onboarding customers even before the company started in some way. And I think that was something that has been very important in, in kind of the starting DNA of our company, because we always were listening to customers and we always were building things that were um, made for customers and not necessarily spending a lot of time building things that we knew customers didn't want. But I would say, you know, that was pretty limited and they were mostly just, uh, you know, kind of early testers. And when we launched the company and the first core products right away, customers started coming. And at the time, was there a lot of competition in the space? 
there were a handful of other companies in the space and uh, they were just really not serving needs of customers well. And how do you currently get new businesses on board? Are you doing um, outreach or is it word of mouth or how, how does that work currently? The word of mouth we get uh, on the product continues to just be so exciting to see. And that is definitely our biggest channel still to date. And you know, I think it comes down to when you build a great product, people talk about it. And that is one of the most sustainable, uh, best ways to be building an enduring company. So in your pre-interview questionnaire, uh, you talked about one of your snags um, was struggling to manage client experience with uh, the poor tools that were available at the time to help manage appointments, building, receiving payments. Um, is this what led you to be a self-taught coder and tell us more about that experience? Yeah, there is a lot of different snags and they were small ones that all added up into this really big frustration with what it meant to be running a service-based business in this space that I think was really important for me to understand at that time and ultimately has led me to where I am now. And I think those things taken together, when I looked at the opportunity to learn how to build things with code and get really hands-on, it was definitely a motivating thought for me to learn even more and become really, really good at um, building a product that could help other people overcome some of the same challenges I firsthand experienced. When you first built the app, yep. were you able to get feedback from your customers and, you know, kind of continue to tweak and make it better? Or do you feel like what you kind of came out of the gate with was where it needed to be? Great question. Um, we, we were always iterating and even to this day, there's so many areas for us to continue to iterate and, and improve for customers. But, you know, I think it really helped us a lot that we had a view on what a best in class product would look like. And in some ways that definitely helped us get an edge and not focus on changing too many things that we already spent the time and invested in getting right from the very beginning. The pandemic obviously hit uh, your industry very, very hard. Tell us um, how how that impacted you and how you overcame it. The pandemic was one of the most challenging times for our industry and, and even for me personally as a leader, but I think it's definitely through challenges that we grow a lot more. And when I think about the pandemic, you know, our customers were were forced to shut down and that brought our industry to a halt for several months and it was a really scary time because no one really knew what was going to happen and things were changing so quickly and it was hard to even react um, quickly enough, uh, you know, compared to how quickly things were changing. And so it was a very demanding time across a lot of fronts. And as a business, when our customers are successful, we're successful. But the pandemic was a time at which we had to help customers navigate being successful. And you know, when we, when we went forth with that mindset, I think that was basically the, the kind of North star for what it is we should be doing and how we should be operating during the pandemic is what are the things we need to be doing and focus on right now to help our customers be successful. I think about those times where, you know, you learn so much in a very short period of time and the pandemic was certainly one of those for me as a leader. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that as a business owner myself, um, you know, very scary, didn't know what to expect. Um, most, a lot of my clients wanted to cut back obviously on advertising because they were scared, nervous about the future. 
And so I had to reinvent, right? So we had to find new ways to shoot commercials through Zoom. I mean, it was insane. I can't, I can't even believe how innovative we got. But what I noticed was, you know, in your industry, you know, going, going to get your nails done wasn't a thing anymore. You couldn't do it. You couldn't get your hair done anymore. It just went to a complete, complete halt to your point. So during that time, did you guys, you, you just said that you continued to support in what ways did you do that? Cause obviously you couldn't operate as normal. Was it just about, you know, being, you know, a supportive, you know, supporting the community or was there another way that you had to kind of evolve to, you know, keep the business going? Yeah, there were a few things that we did that were focused for us. The first area was focusing on things that our business owners could use to uh, generate more revenue. And so um, giving them the tools to have alternative revenue streams. So gift cards was a great example, helping them generate more and more gift card sales and get uh, revenue earlier from clients that they could then use and, and service uh, later on was a great example of an area that we really focused in on in terms of helping business owners be successful with alternative means. The second area was just generally taking a step back and helping business owners understand their business better and giving them access and resources and tools to bridge the gap. And so we did quite a bit on the loan space for business owners, uh, you know, with the SMB loans. And that was a really phenomenal opportunity for, for helping our customers, you know, kind of sustain their own operations and go on longer and, and bring all the data that we had for our own customers into a really elegant, easy to use um, set of materials that could help them with any type of loan application. And then the third area we really doubled down on in terms of just the support side was the customer experience and customer service. And, you know, I think during hard times, that's when true colors are, are always seen. And for our customers to have been going through so much and for us to have really kind of shown up for them and increase the amount of support and resources and help that we were, um, you know, kind of going out of our ways to provide for customers um, you know, has, has meant that we now have customer relationships for life. Um, I still talk with customers every now and then that will, you know, reflect on the things that we as a company did for them and how we supported them, um, in ways that were kind of outside of our remit on the customer service side. And the fact that they still talk about it is telling taken together with the other two areas of focus for us in terms of the opportunity we had to help customers be successful that was really top of mind for us during the pandemic. So you were able to really shift and find ways to just continue, which is fantastic. You talked about a significant moment, uh, which is a life lesson that you uh, learned from your dad, which was the importance of prioritizing your clients. Can you share um, that story with us? Yeah, so my dad was a physician. He uh, had a private practice. And I always learned something new when, when I would go into his office and I thought his office was a really exciting place to go into because there were grownups there I could interact with. And I thought there were real things going on. And, you know, obviously it was a business and I was endlessly curious about so many different parts there. And one day I went into uh, the dictation room and that was a room where secretaries would normally work. And it was also used as a break room too. 
And there was a bulletin board on the wall with a eight by 11 piece of copy paper uh, with Microsoft Word clip art on it that said, quote, because of the customer, we exist. And I remember seeing this sign and I was really young and, and I had a conversation with my dad about it. And it was obvious he cared so much about you know what he did and he cared so much about his clients and seeing that sign and from a really early point in, in my childhood discussing customer centricity, I think is, is what made customer centricity ingrained in me. I love that um, a simple piece of paper on the wall can have such an impact, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I still talk about it today and I think every single day about it. So another moment uh, that you spoke about re- revolves around your love of painting and how it relates to your father teaching you the importance of thinking big. Um, can you share some insights from that experience? Yeah. So I was young. I became very interested in painting and I shared this with my parents and, and my father, and they were really excited about this new interest that I had. So one day my dad took me to a Michael's craft store and uh, we were going to get some supplies for me to start painting with. And we went to the aisle where all the canvases were and we started walking down it and we kept walking down it and we were walking past all of these canvases. And for a brief moment, I remember being upset that, that seemingly we were walking by all of them and, and I was a little bit confused but finally we got to the end of the aisle and we slowed down and there at the end of the aisle, there was this massive canvas. And my dad looked at me and he said, pointing to the canvas that we were going to get the biggest one. And it was the first time I'd ever painted. And I was so excited that we were going to get a really big canvas, especially given it was the first time I'd ever painted. And, you know, he encouraged me to not be afraid. And it was that experience among many others that I had as, as a child to think really big and expect to do really good, big things and be excellent. And most importantly, I think it really taught me the importance of belief in, in myself and in other people. And certainly when I look at a, a very important area of my own leadership style, uh, it's believing in other people. And I think it stems from experiences like that I had when I was young. That story gave me chills. And it what it what it says is how much your dad believed in you, right? He walked past all the small canvases, took you to the biggest one, because most people would start small, right? Just to make sure they could do it. You're not going to waste money on a big giant canvas. But I think the message to you sounds like it was incredibly powerful. It was really powerful. You know, I always thought that that was a really interesting, unique experience I had that's really important in terms of how I think big and also um, my kind of determination to be excellent in, in what I do as well. All right. Well, Danielle, I think you have answered all of my questions. What I'd like to do next is what we call our rapid fire questions. Um, so just, you know, one, one sentence answers, just uh, whatever comes to your mind. So the first question is, what is your biggest strength? Resilience. What's your greatest weakness? Taking things personally. If you could add one skill set to your professional life, what do you wish you could do better? Time management is just a endless uh, challenge, especially as a busy entrepreneur. And so I probably would say it'd be something to do with, with time management. Very common answer. 
if you could completely switch careers and do something very different, what would it be? I love the technical background I have. I love understanding systems, but I also love anything to do with the right brain. So, I mean, it'd have to be something that's really hands-on, would have a big impact on people. And certainly in that realm, it's hard because I'm doing the thing I really want to do right now. Most common answer. You, you nailed it. Not that we're trying to go for that, but most people will say that they're doing the thing that they love. So I love that. What keeps you up at night professionally? As we've grown, the demand for our product has also grown significantly. And just the overall surface area of, of the industry we touch is something we're grateful for, but something we also want to make sure we are serving really, really well as we continue to grow. And so we're constantly, you know, hearing ways that we can help our customers do even more. And certainly the balance of finding ways to do that um, keeps me up at night. What would you say the biggest challenge facing women in business is today? Today, more than more than at any other time, I think there's such an opportunity for women to pursue and be successful running their own businesses and to succeed in business. But the big challenge is uh, balancing their own lives in the process. And if you could give your younger self some pointers based on some of the experiences that you've learned and um, you know the wisdom that you have now, what what would you tell your your younger self? Fearlessness is non-negotiable. Fall down seven times, get up eight, and one other thing, which is what you aim at determines what you see. So what, what is next for Gloss Genius? We're building a big enduring company that is going to impact uh, the way service-based businesses succeed. And I'm so excited to continue to work on a really powerful platform that is defining um, moments, you know, kind of milestones and lifetimes for people. Awesome. And my last question is, what does success ultimately mean to you? Success ultimately means helping others be successful. And I look at some of the greatest companies of our time, and those are ones which have enabled others to be successful and and make money. And I feel lucky that I'm running a company that's so aligned with our customers' success because when they succeed, we do too. I love that. I love that what's what's meaningful to you personally is what your company does for your clients. That alignment is everything. Well, Danielle, you have answered all of my questions. I am so impressed with what you've built. I cannot wait to see what comes next for you. I mean, just the, just what you've been able to do so far is so impressive. So I wish you so much luck. We're going to continue to watch Gloss Genius and you grow and thrive. And um, thank you again for being here today. 